Welcome, all our dads out there, all our moms. You are listening to episode 107 of the Fade You podcast. We are recording on a cold, wet, rainy Southern California day, Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Fade You Sports. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the pod, help support us. As we continue to uh, to grow and wrap up a, a great 2021 for us, my name is Matthew James. I am joined by a few dads, and we're waiting on Chris, who's trying to pound a drink, and he'll join us. Uh, Joseph, how are you? I'm good. A little bummed to be back uh, at work this week, but uh, I'm doing great. Now, Kmar, how long ago did you play Pinehurst? It's like October of 2013, I believe. Okay. So, I mean, Joe, did it, did it live up to your expectations? Yes, it lived up to every expectation. And then some, uh, we were describing it as basically like Disneyland for dads like us. Played number uh, four on Friday, number two on Saturday, and number eight on Sunday. Uh, and I'm sore as fuck from walking and, uh, yeah, but I had an absolute blast and, uh, cannot wait to go back. Man, Neil, between your trip to Hawaii and Joe's trip to Pinehurst. Got a whole lot of dads taking vacations here. I love to see it. Neil, how's it going over there? Same. I'm a little further south than you guys are, but miserably raining, wintry. But it'll be nice. It'll be nice to get some snow on the mountains. So excited to go up to Big Bear one of these days. There we go. Joe, did you break 100 at on number two? No, I did not. I would have if I didn't get stuck in a uh, greenside bunker on par three. I think it's number six or seven. I can't remember what it was. But I got stuck in a bunker that was about five feet above my head. And I was three feet from the face of the bunker. So I basically had to hit it straight up, and it took me six shots to get out of that bitch. So I got a nice 11 on that. I had a couple moments moments similar. Yeah, like the going consensus on number two is like a a 12 handicap is going to struggle to break 100 there because they've never played anything like it. Right, and we had caddies, so they helped a lot. Uh, But it was just, you know, the shot making and leaving the ball in the right spot. It's just legitimately impossible. Like it is, it is quite, quite honestly, the hardest course I've ever played by a mile. Yep, I agree. So, Joe, where's the next golf trip? What's what's on? What's next? Uh, Next year, uh, Carson, shout out Ant Eater, uh, is. We're going to do the dad's trip to Niners Cardinals in Arizona. We're going to just do a Niners game plus golf trip. So I'm trying to play TPC uh, Scottsdale so we can do the stadium course there, which would be sick. So that's, that's what, that's what's on the docket for next year. That's awesome. Love that. Uh, That'd be great. I mean, it's a great tradition. Hey, Chris, nice of you to show up. 
What's up, dads? Did Ed buy you that drink or what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've got to. Yes. You don't have to let everyone know that I have a gay admirer. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's more than an admirer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the texts seem to suggest there's more than admiration happening. Ed's from Missouri. And he was cheering for Kansas City when we were on the Raiders fading down. I'm like, fuck you. We're yeah, getting murdered right here. That was fun. And that's a good place to start. So uh, Dennis has caught fire, seemingly. And really, I mean, he's he's 56% in December. He's made 87 plays. Now, it's only December 14th. So this is, you know, we're down big so far. So he's he's 49 and 38. We're down 16 units so far in December, but man, it just seems like it seems worse than 56%. But I guess when Fade Den is 44%, laying at least minus 110, it's it's a recipe for disaster. I guess Chris, we know we know now what it feels like to be him, huh? Firing at 40, 40 something, something like percent. that. But man, he uh whether it's the the field goal with one second left in the half yesterday whether it's the field goal with 30 seconds left in the game yesterday, whether it's the Bucks covering in overtime, it just seems like he is just sucking so many of these out. Yeah, this is this year is, is crazy because I remember years past, we always would get, it seemed like it bounced, the ball would bounce the sharps way. It would, it would stay under the, the dog, the smelly dog would cover. And now it just seems like a lot of these halves end where the favorite, like the Packers, you know, he's always on the Packers and stuff. seems like they'll get a, a touchdown with 12 seconds left. It seems like these games go over with no times left. We were on the Pats against the Cowboys. So we've had double overtime losses when we're catching over a field goal in overtime, and the team goes and gets six now. And like you just said, I mean, I, I'd say there's close to, close to a dozen times he's done this, and that's a huge – That'll, you know, flip your units big time, you know? Yo, I mean, what what the fuck else can you say? He's just, he's, I mean, he's just throwing darts and he's hitting bullseye. And and the way that Den bets too is when he goes first half and full or first quarter, first half and full, it seems like the ones he's winning are a lot of double winners where, I mean, we'll talk about NFL faves in a second, but it seems like there's so many that are just in control of the whole game. And so where a lot of people, you know, if you're laying points with, I don't know who was one of the, the chiefs, for example, chiefs are, are controlling that game wire to wire. He's hitting both first half and full and uh, it's absolutely killing us. Yeah, definitely, man. He's, he's, I mean that, and he's, he's done a few times where he's gone like four or five and oh, and what in a, in a single game. And that just completely fucks us. He's already done that. What five, six times. And then, Conversely, us catching an zero and four, you know, uh, run on uh, in a single game has happened like what twice on the season, and those are huge, huge losses on our end. You know, that's a huge, you know, ten fifteen unit swing just on five six games. So it it, it's you know he's credit to him. I mean, he's profitable right now, which is a real bummer for us, but we don't expect that to to stay the stay that way for very long. He's going to regress. We just, you know, just a matter of time. To Joe's point, just in the last two games, 
he we could have very easily gone three and zero on that Sunday night football. You know, the Bears cover first quarter for that. So he flips that unit and then very easily could have gone four and zero fading on Monday night and it ends up going two and two. So there's three units right there. So it's just amazing just the intricacies of of two games, how much land his way. Amazing. Well, and his lifetime is still around 46, probably 46 and a half percent. So the statistics of a sample size of over 2000 plays will tell us that he will not continue to catch those breaks that this current 56% run through two weeks that he's on is going to swing back towards 50 for 50% and probably below 50%. So, I mean, Chris, what do you tell people just stay the course and you see how he bets. If you're going to just fire all favorites again and expect them all to cover, then I think you got another thing coming to you. Yeah. This week's crazy. A lot of big dogs again, a lot of, you know, people going to probably take a lot of overs with the powerhouse teams. I always stay the course. You know, on a free money Furman tonight, you know, or, or North Carolina against Furman. Everyone, you know, we had one buddy that goes, who the hell is Furman? Exactly why are they only catching 10? And North Carolina, of course, he's on an over with the Knicks Warriors. Curry's going to score a million, right? So, yeah, he, it's not like he's changed his bets. It's not like he's firing these sharp, sharp dogs. He's still betting exactly how he has for the last five years that I've known him. So, Kyle or Neil, any idea where Furman is? Uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, I was going to oh, guess. Cool. Is I was going to guess North Carolina, South Carolina. Somebody get on that. I'm curious. I'm more <laughs> close. I know it's the Paladins. Uh, I know we were on them maybe a couple times last year at, at various points in college basketball. Dude, Paladin is a Fair sick in. ass mascot. Let me just say that. Yeah, it's in <laughs> Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, Greenville, there we South go. Carolina. All right. Nice. Just the wrong Carolina, Matt, but it's all good. Hey, I was close. 50-50. And so I guess it makes sense that they would play UNC in a in a non-conference. Why not? Go up there to Tobacco Road and give them a see if they can give them a game. All right. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? I mean, NFL faves, like it's pretty remarkable, Neil, for for favorites to go. I know finally last night it came to a screeching halt. I'm sure there were a ton of parlays that rolled into Arizona last night, but uh, I think it was 12 and two on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, it was just crazy. And of all weeks, I think we probably did this to ourselves. And we, you know, I think we tweeted out our, our combined collective picks and of the 25 total picks that the five of us had 19 were dogs. And I think we said it before kickoff. Really, we looked at it. And we're like, "Yeah, what could go wrong?" Right? Of all of all weeks, uh, I think looking at this next card is another interesting one. Um, and looking at the line moves for this coming week is that again, when the books get hammered because the faves all kick in and cover, I think that's why you see so many more double digit lines of games that probably should only be you know seven and a half or eight and a half, but you find yourself playing you know. It, the line being 10 because everyone, you know, every square out there's got money in their pocket and they're just dying to, to bet Dallas minus 10 and a half against the disgusting giants. Um, and, you know, lay a 10 handle with Miami. Like they're just this, the public's going to go out and do it again. And I think the books just are, you know, are juicing it up because they, they have to. Doesn't Tampa Bay minus 11 kind of seem like that too? 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Against the Saints. I mean, that this, that Saints team and and Sean Payton is not a bad football game. You know, team in prime time. Like, absolutely, that seems. And, well, and to, right, Tampa Bay off, Tampa Bay off, sort of a big win. I think I think two good defenses too. So you know, and to make that spread that big in a division game. I don't know how uh, Smelly Poop can't be on the Saints. If he's not, he might owe a yug just out of principle. Can't do it because the Bears broke our hearts to getting 12 and a half on prime time. So now I'm going to jump off it. Chris, <laughs> the words I can't are not in your vocabulary. <laughs> Come no, on now. Chris, if All you right. don't want to lay, if you don't want to lay three with Jacksonville, that I would understand. <laughs> you not being on the Saints is unacceptable. Okay, I, uh, should we talk will, about that one, <laughs> yeah, dude? I will almost guarantee you that we are on uh, Houston in that game. I would. I'm, I'm about ninety five percent sure that's going to be. Is the the line is actually moving up? It's at three and a half right now. Wait, but Joe, like, when you say when you say that, are you saying because you think Den's going to be on Jacksonville? That's going to it's going to make your card. It's going to make my card. Gotcha. Okay, okay, for sure. I was going to say I don't think Den will touch that one. That no, no Den, Den won't lay Den won't lay points. Oh, Steph Curry needs one more three to break the record. Uh, yeah. So two dog shit teams take the points. And what's even funnier is I saw a tweet today. Somebody said, uh, "Who's laying?" Minus one eighty on the Jacksonville Jaguars money line. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> There's no fucking way. I so, mean, what do you think the books will write any tickets on Jacksonville this week? Who no. who is gonna lay points with them? Mm, no I, idea. I don't know. Urban yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe <laughs> what's what's crazy though is looking at the differential i mean it's way early obviously it's only tuesday so uh looking at the differential right now it's massive towards the jacks 33 percent of the bets 60 percent of the money on the jacks so some big dicks with some duffel bags are betting on the jacks apparently <laughs> i i just i struggle to even fathom a reason to bet jackson and lay oh my points God. Especially after Trevor Lawrence threw four picks, <laughs> yes, uh, well, two days ago, and just looked awful. Aren't Come they on, saying guys. that it's a revenge like, game from week two? one? <laughs> yeah, Kyle, jump, jump, jump in there, Kyle. Well, no, I, I mean I don't know much on the situation, but I mean I'm just hearing a bunch of things of you know the team essentially quitting on Urban Meyer. You know, it's I mean it's all like self inflicted by Meyer, but he doesn't seem to want to as Keyshawn Johnson said, you know, cauterize and stop the bleeding. Anybody so, catch his, uh, his handshake with Rabel? Yeah. <laughs> super yeah. quick. And just, oh. you know, not even looking at him weird. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Urban. And it's, what's blowing my mind too. Is like good leadership quality, like own up to your mistakes, you know, take the blame on yourself. He's doing the exact opposite. Like he's blaming his assistants, making him defend their resumes. Like that's while that's freaking hilarious. That's, awful leadership <laughs> he's like i'm a winner bitches what are you what are you fucking <laughs> like well if i was him i'd be like you hired me dumbass well and on lombardi's pod he said he was told by someone in the building that as bad as that report was the kid that was tom pelicero i think on saturday or sunday he said his source in the building told him it's it's way worse than even that 
So, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, but when does this turn into a fade you narrative where, you know, I mean, that's just got to be the poopiest play of the weekend, right? Playing. How often is a poopy play a favorite, a short division mm. pro or division favorite? Chris, it has like, to be, right? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to lay points with Jacksonville. That has right. to be the most disgusting side of the week is laying points with the Jaguars. And now three and a half. Yeah, with the hook. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Trust the line, Chris? Trust the line. I mean, it's <laughs> one that I'll probably just stay away from, but uh, we'll have to say, like Joe said, super early in the week. We'll see, yeah. though, uh, if it's one of those uh, fade the trendy dogs. I don't know how trendy the Texans will be, but we'll see. Oh, my God. Well, that's the other part of it, too. It's like, okay, no one wants to lay with the Jaguars, but you still got to take Houston. I mean – yeah, they were David Mills balled out, right? And then, you know, hey, what's he gonna do? You think he does it again, or do you think he regresses back to dog shit? Fade Den was bad on Sunday, but one of the rare bright spots was uh, Fairbairn hitting a sixty-yard field goal at halftime to cover Texans first half. That was that was pretty incredible. To make it two and three instead of one and four. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> Kai, thanks, Kaimi. <laughs> All right, let's hit a break, and then uh, we want to talk a little bit about some bowl games and uh, and college football and, and what the hell's going on. We talked on a previous pod about how it's so hard to bet because no one knows who's playing. Coaches are leaving all the time. So uh, Neil does have a few things to share. Uh, there was a good tweet today about Moneyline Bets by Chris Felica. We'll get to all that here in just a minute. Okay, Neil, you've done some homework. What do you got here for us on bowl games? This first game on Friday. Is that the first, first one? Game, first yeah. game is on Friday. Okay. Um, you know, so I was coming back from Hawaii and I listened to, Ky- to Kyle's uh, little rants about, you know, how just bowl season betting always seems to be, you know, just awful. And him and I have been in the same boat for, for years as, as, you know, betting buddies with this, that, you know, it just never turns out. And it kind of got me thinking on the flight, just thinking that, you know, what is a bowl game, right? Because again, you don't know what the motivation of the players, are they checked out, you know, are the seniors done? Are kids just, you know, kids from Eastern Michigan just happy to go out to tent to Tempe, you know, in the middle of December and get to wear sandals again? And, you know, is it it's more about I think for a lot of players, it's more about just the getting away and their, you know, festivities that they get to do at a bowl versus more so than it is actually playing in the actual game. So it kind of got me thinking about like the is there a correlation sort of in we what we see in the NFL, which is in preseason NFL, right, it's really all about what the coach wants to do, right? If the coach wants to win a preseason game, then they can do certain things to to win. And, you know, no greater, you know, example of that than Harbaugh with Baltimore that uh, how many games has he, you know, preseason games now has he won? I think it's up to like 22 um, after this year that he's won 22 straight preseason um, football games, right? So in a in a preseason structure where I think like I thought I started 97% of games are within our ATS or are priced it within three and a half points. Like Harbaugh is now the only outlier in that. Um, so I did some research and just looked at, you know, what are the coaches? Is there any sort of, you know, trends that you can look at for coaches? Um, because that's where your motivation, the focus, it's all coming from the coaching staff. So there were a few um, little key ones on the on the positive sides. These will be ATS records. So Kyle Whittingham at Utah, he's nine and five ATS in bowl games. 
Mike Gundy is nine and six. Kurt Ferens at Iowa is ten and five. Jimbo Fisher seven and three. Uh, PJ Fleck at Minnesota four and one. Craig Bull Wyoming three and zero. Oh. Hugh Freeze at Liberty is four and one. And then Chris Creighton in Eastern Michigan is three and zero oh, ATS. Um, so guy, so again. In smaller sample sizes that you only get one bowl game a year, but you have some coaches there who, and I think that kind of makes a lot of sense with guy, you know, long-term uh, coaches like Whittingham and Gundy and Ferens that obviously take their programs really seriously and have been at their, uh, you know, schools for a long period of time. On the opposite side, um, possibly look at some fade coaches. Uh, Rick Stockwell at Middle Tennessee State is only two and six. Brady Hoke at SDSU, and I've already played against Brady Hoke in this one. Uh, he's one three and one at SDSU. Uh, Mike Leach only three and seven, and then the worst bowl record of remaining coaches that have at least two. Dana Holgerson at Houston only one and seven ATS. Um, and you know, I think like with Mike Leach and a Dana Holgerson, you actually think it would sit. To, you know, when I sat back and thought about, it, I was like, that's actually not surprising because you have a couple of like laid back guys that you could see how they may not take a bowl game, you know, all that seriously. Um, so that was just on, on coaches overall, so, sort of as far as conferences and looking at conferences, Jesus, Kyle, Pac-12 is garbage. Last five years, um, Pac-12, 13, 26, and one ATS in 40 games. 40 games, you got 13 against the spread winners. Um and that's even with Kyle Whittingham, you know, having a positive record in the, in the PAC 12, um, nothing else, you know, conference wise, that was that note, the other power five conferences are all, we're all above 50% though, ATS. Um, so the PAC 12 is the only outlier there. Uh, AAC was only nine and 21. Um, and Joe, Chris, and Matt, you guys' Matt conference, Mount West conference, dead even 15 and 15. Um, so that was just a few things. I know, Matt, do you want to go over what the tweet from Chris Felica? Because I think it was, you know, sort of meaningful about, you know, betting money lines on on small faves or small Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I want to just ask and follow up with Kyle about some of those trends on coaches. Do you think, Kyle, after hearing some of that, do you think that's a good way to look at certain games? I mean, it's probably it's probably the only way to look at it. I mean, I knew Whittingham was pretty good, but Utah would be the only team I would consider backing out of the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA, I will love to bet against them. But yeah, I mean, he makes good points. There's a lot of info there going on with uh, you know Curry's record-setting three, so there's a lot to take in in that five minutes. But you know, I definitely think you have to take that into account moreover than what have they done lately? Because I mean, look at Oklahoma's situation. Like, is that a team you're going to really want to back? Good question. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. And let's get to it. I do want to finish the show with Curry too. He did just set the record for threes. Uh, so we'll, we'll end with that here in a few minutes, but uh, yeah, Chris Felica. So the bear tweeted this out earlier. And, and Kyle, I want you to start with this because I feel like I feel like you kind of scoff at the always take the points at times. Uh, I, I know I've just heard you do it. So 
Chris Felica today says, if you like a dog in bowls, especially a single digit dog, play them on the money line. He says since 2008, single digit dogs, they only cover at 51%, but of the 206 covered 77.2% win the game outright. I mean, Kyle, the goal here is to make money. And this is telling me that you will make more money if you hit the money line and not take the points. If it's a dog of less than 10. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's, that's an amazing clip right there. So everything Neil said, I'm going to have to go back and listen to and take down those notes and, you know, just obviously look at those dogs that fit that profile. And I mean, we've, had those discussions before where, you know, if I like a dog, I'm more inclined to just take them money line and live with it. If I, you know, if they lose by three and I didn't take the plus five or whatever it is, you know, I I'd rather not lay the juice because I mean, what are we here to do? You know, make money. And that's essentially Neil's and mine motto, you know, going to March madness every year, you know, we're here to make money. So I love seeing that. How do you make sense of that, Neil? Do you think it's just, I mean, the books don't really know how to make some of these lines between teams that never play. So is the the value, there's just more variance in bowl games, do you think? Absolutely. I think it it goes back to sort of what I opened it with, even more so. Is it just kind of like, if we really just playing preseason NFL football here, where it's, it's meaningful, it's hard to predict who it's going to be meaningful, right? And there's no greater you know, game this season than I think this bowl season than the Oklahoma Sooners Oregon Ducks game, right? Both teams with interim coaches. Who's to say that Oklahoma should be, you know, four and a half point favorites in that game, right? You'd have no idea, but like, how are you supposed to judge? You can just assume like the talent on the field is there. And I think the books try to do a Again, the books just are looking to maybe, you know, find equal money on both sides. But you can't tell me that Oklahoma, Oregon, that you have a sense of really who's going to win that game. Because would it surprise me that Oregon comes out and wins by 21 and Oklahoma doesn't show up? Nope. Wouldn't surprise me if Oklahoma beats them by 28. Like, it just doesn't. It's so hard to handicap that game. That just would be to handicap a preseason football game with backup quarterback starting. Joe, crazy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the um, on bowl games too. There's just so much more line movement than regular season games. I mean, because there's so much variance on who's going to play. So, like for example, Utah State open as a six point favorite against Oregon State. Now they're a fucking seven and a half point dog. So, like that's wild. Then you got Hawaii. Uh, Memphis, where uh, I think Memphis is the favorite by a touchdown now, and that opened at Memphis minus three because Hawaii's quarterback fucking uh, decided to transfer to San Jose State. So there's just a lot of shit moving parts that books have to take into account when they're laying or putting these lines out, and they got to adjust quickly because there's going to be value to be found. You just got to be quick about it. Yeah, and like, I mean, we spoke on it last time, just all the, all the money – you know, the TV gets, I feel like the only way that you get more players, you know, from my rants, you know, who, you know, quote unquote, give a shit is there's got to be a kickback to the players because I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a first round pick or a sixth or seventh round pick, 
if you're going to get into the draft, you're probably not going to want to risk another injury. Why are you going to risk an ACL and go from being an unrestricted free agent that just gets picked up by whoever instead of getting, you know, a contract. So there's that, that's why I think a lot of these games just really don't matter because there's just too much on the line for a lot of these, a lot of the players that can actually make the game a little more competitive. So to Neil's point, who, who the hell knows? One of those teams could win by 28 or who knows, maybe Oregon, you know, loses on a last second field goal. That's just it. Kind of like I, right now, they, I don't think we still know if Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh is playing for that game, Pittsburgh versus uh, Michigan state. So I know like yesterday when I checked, like there was no line for that game because I mean, he's worth at least a touchdown if he plays. Why should he play? He probably has no reason to play, right? Heisman Trophy, he was at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, one of the four. Like, he's the only one, right? He's the only one that was – or a Stroud, but he's not in the bowl. He's going to the NFL. Who knows if he's going to play? And I Again, I haven't seen that line move. Come yeah, up well, conversely, too, guys, look, you got to look into it as well. Uh, there's, there's players that are going to be borderline NFL – draft picks are the guys that are trying to fight for a starting job the next season they're going to come out and play even extra hard so there's there it's not just like fading players that don't give a shit there's a plenty of guys out there that give a shit i mean look at every time a team wins a bowl and they take the victory formation it's a big fucking deal after they win so i don't know i i i don't question motivation as much as you know i think they players care man they really do and those those uh teams are gonna have fucking signs on their stadiums that say you know las vegas bowl champions or you know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl champion. That shit means something to a lot of guys, especially the coaching staffs that don't want to get fired. Oh, I agree with that 100%. Um, but, like, I mean, to, to my point, like, with Pickett, you know, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, like, that that's the decision he has. Does he risk a top 15 pick over getting injured for the Peach Bowl? And it's sad because they had a very good season. That's that's the dilemma. Like I, I get a little amped up with my, you know, players don't give a shit. But you know, Joe made a great point. There's a lot on the line for a lot of players for various reasons. Yeah, like, I, to both you and Joe's point, like that is just it. Like if he goes out and balls out in that in that game, like are we looking at the number one pick next year? Like you would think that like someone who's in you know who is middling to Joe's point, like you have a lot of guys who are trying to. This is their last chance to sort of put their name on the you know, on the map. Yeah. I mean, I mean you guys, the, the difference between being drafted 15 and being drafted five is fucking massive, like monetarily and contract wise, like that's huge. So there, there is motivation, whether or not that player Joe, wants to risk it. It's a completely different thing. Right. But Joe, and guys, and I would say the exact same thing. How is that different, right? Than preseason NFL football, when you get into the third quarter of the fourth preseason football game, it's like, right. Every guy on that field at that time is trying to make, team just like this that's why i feel like again it's almost impossible you know to sort of handicap just based off of you know a football number you know well you know what the biggest you know what the bigger issue probably is with bowl games that we haven't discussed is they're college kids they're not used to taking three four weeks off so it's just a huge buy so you know you have the rust factor so it could be more of that than my original theory. No one has mentioned the uh, 
pretty awesome gifts these guys get. You know, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I bet these guys get like a hundred dollar gift certificate Chick-fil-A. You telling me that's not worth playing for? Man, they better they better get more than that. <laughs> well, they probably get a box of cookies they can with that. Those on Sundays, though, Matt. They can only use those on Sundays. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a bowl game. It was there was Nike was like a part or uh, sponsor or whatever, where all the players in the game got like Jordans, and I was like, dude, that's pretty fucking sick. That There's a lot of good one. ones, man. I don't I know. Mean, look the... at Memphis; they get to go to Hawaii. That's pretty fucking bitching too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you get for Duke's Mayo Bowl though. Some mayonnaise and maybe Chris. Maybe you get to talk to Chris Duke. <laughs> Still with us there, Dad. You want to you want to say it for Furman on the pod? Nice little one and zero start to fade Den. Yeah, we'll see if we can uh, keep the Knicks under first half, and you know, have a nice Tuesday. Have a nice Tuesday, like I told Joe. Let's get some units back from this motherfucker. Yeah. Um, let's end with Curry. So it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm old enough to remember. And not a lot of kids probably know this because they just know Curry is this god. But Kyle, do you remember Curry didn't even win rookie of the year? Do you remember who did? I do not remember who did, but I remember Curry hurting his ankle early in his career. And I'm very, very sad about it. People forget all the ankle injuries early in Curry's career. It's pretty, I mean, this is like 2007, 2008. It's pretty remarkable. Cadaver, cadaver, uh, tendons and shit in his ankle which is pretty badass modern medicine crazy man um it was tyreek evans of my sacramento kings that won the rookie of the year that oh my year. god that's right yeah remember that guy yeah he was a freak and just put up crazy stats that rookie year on on mm-hmm. a bad kings team i had a kid today at school they found out i was a kings fan he's like oh my god i've never met a kings fan when's the last time you made the playoffs <laughs> I, had to, I had to tell him did I don't remember. Did you I said I don't remember. Him and say, you should have. You should have said, "Hey, well, uh, you. I mean, I'm not part of the team, so uh, I'm not sure." Yeah. I myself have never been in the playoffs. God, yeah. You I guys mean, it's... probably remember how badass he was at Davidson, though he single-handedly pulled his cock out for that. Yeah, in that March he made like a thousand he was a, he, and he looked like he's about fucking twelve years old doing it. Oh my god, yeah, baby faced assassin, still baby face. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So kudos to Curry, man. All time threes. That's pretty sick. He what did he have two in the was it two in the first quarter to do it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yep. It only took him two shots. Well, wow, yeah, two shots, two for two. Unreal. Last one looked like a baby fadeaway too. From thirty did they, feet. Uh, did anybody have it on? Did they stop the game and do all kinds of shit like? Yeah, they totally stopped the whole thing. He got, which was kind of hilarious. Was he goes and hugs his dad, and then walks to a completely different area, hugs his mom (laughs) because they're divorced. (laughs) Oh my god, pretty awesome. Yeah, she's probably getting the you know what from many (laughs) men right now. But uh, yeah, and then he's they showed Curry crying, and then a badass under Armour commercial. Oh wow, that's sick! I'll have to watch that. Rising a couple of years ago when I think it was a maybe a Sunday night football game when Drew Brees broke the some record, whether it was yards or something, they gave him like the ref gave him like a little printed out paper certificate. Anybody remember? Oh, that? yeah. Yeah. So, yeah like, that was a Sunday night game. 
And yeah, they uh, it was the yardage record. Yeah, and they gave him like a little laminated piece of paper that said like all time yeah. yards, <laughs> like something you would give a third grader for winning a spelling bee or something like that. Yeah, that was epic. Good shit. All right, good shit for the show. Um, we are tweeting out some stuff. Somebody tweeted out something about poop. Chris, was that you? No, yeah, I just had a guy hit us up about. Uh, he thought the Memphis smelled like shit against a uh, a really good uh, team. So uh, we said, yeah, it's on our radar. We'll look at. Uh, I think I said ASU got awful, scored twenty nine a few games ago. They're only cashing seven against Creighton, who uh, just knocked off BYU. They're a home dog, so maybe they're flying high after beating the the door knockers. But we'll see. So we'll see if ASU can go play tough against. They're in Omaha against the Creighton. What are they? The the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Man, Chris, can I interest you in Arkansas Pine Bluff? One in <laughs> one in ten in the SWAC. They're getting uh, thirty five and a half against Texas. I actually remember being down. I wasn't. I was working in Little Rock back in the day, probably two thousand. I'll say 14. I remember paying attention. I said, I remember someone said, man, I'm from down in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And I'm like, man, you guys can't cover a spread for shit. And uh, <laughs> they've been dog shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they just, uh, they lost to Baylor by 45 the other day. And uh, actually they hung tight though with Arc State. They covered Arkansas State uh, last game. That'll be funny. We'll see what they do against Texas. Chris, if you're out, ask ask the bartender for an Arkansas Pine Bluff and see what she serves you. Is is that something I should uh should be aware of? Is it kind of kind of tasty or it disgusting? Like a the Arkansas Pine oh, Bluff. Maybe maybe it has some gin in it, huh? A little little uh, you know, a little florally. There you go. A little Saint Germain elderflower. <laughs> Just make sure you know who's not with you. Watch out for the roofies, Chris. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> all right. On that note, we're going to get out of here before we go off the rails. Uh, all right, Chris, just remind everybody what happens when you bet on poop like ASU or Arkansas Pine Bluff. Or any dog this Sunday. You got to step in shit and move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. This is Beiju.